Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Another episode of the One Slide at a Time series. If this isn't your first time listening to a One Slide at a Time series, then you probably already know that what I'm doing in this series is taking some of my past presentations and training sessions and pulling out one specific slide and just focusing on that for 15 minutes and doing a deeper dive. Today, the topic is how to slice stories. This episode is to get into the actual mechanics and examples, how to practically slice stories into small stories that can be completed within a sprint. And by sprint, most of the time we're referring to about a two-week time box for your sprint. So that means that stories can range anywhere from one to two days all the way up to six or seven days. And the key here is, is that that Sizing, when we say fit into the sprint, that includes three key pieces. That should take that story through design, development, as well as dependencies, integration, and then ultimately testing. So clearly that piece, that slice that represents that story needs to be relatively small so that you can fit all of those components I just named into a sprint. And not just one story. Typically, a team of five to nine uh, team members, you're completing three, four, five stories. So multiple stories in that time frame. If you have any question or need to get more understanding of why we're emphasizing the slicing of stories, keeping them small, keeping them within a sprint. I answered those questions on the previous podcast. So back up one episode and then start this episode over. Because this one is going to take us from the point that we understand 
the why behind slicing stories, and now let's talk about the how. When you write a story, you have your basic framework that is describing who is the person's point of view, the what, what they need or want, and then the why. And that format, most of us know, is starts with the as a, I want, so that. Pretty straightforward. And one of the things that I, ha- I encourage is if you have a story and you start noticing that you're listing things out, it has ands and ors, you are ready. You're running the risk of your story being too big. It needs to be very concise and just identify one thing. This is why stories originally were written on index cards, to keep them short and concise. Now, the next step when you're elaborating on the story, because that, that, of course, just stating who, the what, and the why, clearly isn't giving you a full elaboration of what that story, what is needed for that story to be complete. The key there is your acceptance criteria. So in your acceptance criteria, still writing it from a business perspective, what is the functionality or the features that are required to fulfill that story, that want or need, in order for once that story is built out, you can look at the acceptance criteria and determine if it's acceptable and if you've fulfilled that want or need. So those acceptance criteria, this is when you start elaborating on, and some of the things you elaborate on are things like the data or the interface the business rules, the flow or sequence of things, even access and rights. As you are flushing out that additional detail, it's very easy to quite simply get carried away. And by carried away, what I mean is that you start to see that that list of acceptance criteria can get very long That is prime real estate for us to identify things that we can split or slice to make the story smaller. And by that, what I mean is the things that I just named, things like the data. As you think about the data that's required for the story, in your first pass, you might brainstorm and come up with a huge list of data. But the reality is, is when you're thinking about the minimum, the first pass might just be the required data elements, not all the data elements. So let's say if there's 20 data elements, you might want to focus on just the five that are required. 
once you flush out the story, the front end, the middle, making sure you can access and um, any data that needs to be pulled in, or that there's a providing an entry so that the user can put data in and all the validation and rules around it. If you just start by focusing on the top five fields, that could be a standalone story. And this, this is the whole concept of iterative design. You first kind of prove it with a small set, and then the next story can be the remaining data elements that need to be, let's say, displayed on that screen. Another way is dividing even, perhaps putting the data elements and showing the, the data elements um, on the screen might fit nicely into a story, but you have that second layer, which are the, the business rules. What you might do is, based on the business rules, focus on the area that has the most important business rules. And your first pass might be those. And completing those, being able to demonstrate those, get a reaction to make sure you're on the right track. Then you can, in the next iteration, do a few more business rules and a few more. So business rules as well. There can be a lot of business rules, especially when you look at the, if you have a lot of fields. So business rules is a way to slice. Another one is the flow, the process flow. When we think about process flow, there's always the idea that there is the happy path or the most common path, and then there are alternate paths and even negative paths. You might want to take a story and make sure that you're only focused on the happy path. What's the most common thing, most likely path that the customer will take? First, lock that down demonstrate that, get feedback, and then in the next stories or next series of stories and sprints, you can add on the alternate paths or the negative paths. And keep in mind, some of those things that you split off, you might not ever get to. Some of those paths, for example, um, might be so rare or they might be what we call edge cases and you never get to them. And in Agile, that's completely okay. The idea that you can provide the solution, the user stories, are needs are met, but without having to do every single story or do every, go down every path, because that could end up being very costly with very little return. So Agile, and partner with Agile is the idea of value management, is focus on those things that are most important. 
Focus on those things that are high value, that are going to deliver high value, have a lot of impact. So again, the happy path, that's the path that most the people are most likely to take when using the, the software or the solution. So break that off from those secondary and third and fourth. And, and as you go down the line, like I said, you start to look at and, uh, the value and you might find that particular edge case, it's so rare, we're not going to automate that. They'll manually have to resolve that. Now, that's just a, a couple of examples that I've, I've given you already speaking to how to slice a story. Another piece that you, another way when looking at a story, sometimes as you go to elaborate and start the refinement process, there are sometimes when you start looking at what is wanted and there are the knowns and there are the unknowns. Even slicing a story so that the part that is known can be broken off and designed, executed, and implemented. And the unknown parts, instead of derailing or slowing down any work on that particular story, let the work for the knowns move forward and the unknowns get split off into its own story. And as a matter of fact, there's a special name for when you need to split off a story for additional research, and that would be a spike. Another scenario or, or another uh, approach to slicing stories is creating a picture of the inputs and the outputs. And in any scenario, there's often multiple inputs and multiple outputs. Focusing or kind of using a divide and conquer approach, we're focused on just one of the inputs and one of the outputs and get that thoroughly working in one story, then introduce the second, third, however many others in their own stories. So I've given you several different scenarios and I would say one way to think about story splitting, there's, I, I love mnemonics and uh, Mountain Goat software has one when it, as it relates to story splitting known as SPIDER, S-P-I-D-R. The S stands for spikes, which I've, I just mentioned previously. P stands for paths or the, the process flow, as I mentioned. I is for interfaces. You can think about the inputs and the outputs. Data, I've talked about the, the data source. Um, and the different data elements and identifying the required or the most important. And then R for rules, looking at all the different rules and identifying the most important rules and putting those in up front, testing, demonstrating those, and then layering on the others. So the spider mnemonic just is a, a, a quick way to recap and to 
think about it. But if those don't work for you, know that there are several other techniques. And this being a bite-sized piece, this is one of the topics that I'm going to do in two parts. This is the first part. And stay tuned for the, the second part. Because the spider is just the top five approaches. There are many others. And some are better than others, depending on the software, the, the project, the complexity. There's a lot of different factors. So the more options you have, the better. When all is said and done, probably the biggest thing that people struggle with when we talk about splitting these stories, um, even if they understand and agree conceptually uh, that there's benefits, the one thing that everyone struggles with early on is that if we slice these things up, individually those slices may not be shippable and or won't give the customer enough value. You'll need several of those slices coming together in order for you actually to release it to the customer. And that's okay. We say that at the end of the sprint when you're demonstrating what you've accomplished for that sprint, those individual stories and slices, it only has to be potentially shippable. But it's up to the team and the product manager, product owner's discretion to say, yes, this, however many stories have enough value that we want to release this to the customer. And the other thing that comes to mind is bringing those slices back together at any period of time. They don't always just neatly fit together. There's sometimes an effort that has to be taken to integrate them all together. And that's where the idea of continuous integration. And sometimes even you have to do what they call refactor the code. So I want to acknowledge that refactoring is a part and a reality of the agile approach that because you're breaking it apart, from a, a planning purpose, from a cadence and predictability purpose, bringing it back together, there are times where you may have tickets that represent the refactoring uh, in order to bring everything back together, calibrate it, um, you know, package it so that it all works together. So you may have learned some new words today, spike and refactoring, um, and also, you maybe for the first time have heard about the uh, spider mnemonic and hopefully giving you some ideas and insights on at least five most common ways to slice stories. And in our next segment, we'll talk about uh, some additional ones. So thank you again for listening. I'm Jacqueline Sanders Blackman. And... Keep listening and tell your friends.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.